Okay, this would be the Great Debates program, yeah. and I'd like us to begin. All right. All right, guys. Yes. So Roll let's call. just start. Listen, here's the thing. We had Listener Appreciation Week recently. We did zero listener tops, so... I said, guys, this is crazy. We need to do some listener tops. And they said, yeah, great idea. Here are some listener tops. And now we're going to do them. And let's have a good time. Um, first debate, Healy taking the pro. Four minutes on the clock. Okay. This top from listener Joe C. Joe, thank you. The topic is shoes are clothes. I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the pro. What else are they? They are a thing that wraps around <laughs> part of your body to provide warmth and protection from the elements. That is a clothes. That uh, Dave's going to try, I would guess, to put them in some special category or something. But look, clothes is pretty broad. It encompasses everything from a tuxedo to a cape to a hoodie to a hat. And it includes shoes as well. There's no question that shoes go in the category clothes. I mean, it's so interesting the way you decided to describe shoes. You said they're an item. What did you say? That you wrap around your body to protect yourself from the elements? Yes. The first thing I picture the definition is, of clothes. is a scarf, which is, sure. I would clothes. argue, just like shoes, an accessory. All no. of the There scarf is a is separate clothes. category, not of clothes, but of accessories. And the things that belong in that category no, watch, are shoes, necklace. Those hats, are accessories. No, not at all. In fact, if you go to most like retailers online and you look at the way that they break down the items that they sell, and I'm talking about like things that you can put on like clothing websites basically, you'll see that they'll say like men's right. so women's, under that that's umbrella clothes, and then there's like accessories shoes. and then there's and shoes are often even a separate category of accessories. So I would say that they're either accessories or they're a category unto themselves, but they're not clothes. Clothes are like they are there's a sort of material difference between clothes and shoes. Clothes are often, you know, like, they're what you think of when you think of stuff you put on your body. They're cotton or they're wool or they're meant to be, like, they cover a big part of your body. That's what clothes are. Shoes are not clothes. They're, they're a little add-on on top. Okay. First of all, Dave sort of contained, as he so often does, his own destruction in his argument when he was talking about clothing websites. And then, okay, maybe accessories are a subcategory of that, but shoes are sold on a clothing website. Furthermore, yeah, this so idea that the idea that there's somehow like an add-on is crazy. You need shoes more than you need a shirt. If you talk about someone who is shoeless, shoeless Joe Jackson, we're still talking about him because he didn't have Shoes. No, shoes not, are absolutely essential. They're way more important than a we're scarf. We're not talking about shoeless oh. Joe Jackson because he didn't have shoes. We're talking about him because he was one of the most interesting figures in one of the greatest okay, scandals but, in the history of sports. But his name is and so also, memorable because not, the idea of somebody who didn't have shoes, it's almost impossible to conceive. How did he walk around, let alone play baseball? It doesn't matter how integral this article is to whether or not you appear to be crazy. That's not the measure of what our clothes and what isn't what is the measure is how we've how like people and retailers have agreed to break down the different genres of things that we put on our body and shoes do not fit into clothing the way that 
like shirts or pants or even, I would argue, underwear, which I could maybe say is also an accessory, but it fits on the main part of your body. So the same way that a hat is an accessory, so too are shoes. Or if you want to just say they're shoes. I mean, shoes also are like a whole billion, possibly trillion, I don't know, business, dollar business unto themselves. Like, they're almost bigger than clothing. So to say that shoes are just another item of clothing is almost to, like, minimize the importance of shoes. They've become so huge in our culture, sneakers alone take up about as much, like, of our cultural landscape as, like, pants do. And then when you add to that women's shoes, like there, that's another like important thing here is that like, there are stores that just sell shoes. And there are not stores that just sell pants. And that's why they're not closed. They're something else. Okay, there's a right around the corner from my house, there's a nudie jeans store. Well, then that's the end of the debate, I guess. That's how we know that the debate is over. What will weigh in, please? Well, okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. I had a reaction, weirdly, uh, Healy, to Shoeless Joe Jackson. <laughs> okay. What was the reaction? Positive? What occurred to me is this famous figure known for having no shoes. <laughs> it, he's not naked Joe Jackson. No. <laughs> he's just shoeless. And so it kind of, I, I got stuck on that mentally. I, I feel you, uh, yeah. And and so it made me think that there is a distinction between <laughs> <laughs> clothes and shoes. And maybe what I'm thinking is that with that, and I couldn't get it out of my mind for the rest of the debate, maybe Dave didn't win so much as you I lost. threw it away. Uh, fair oh, enough. I gotta say, I, I, I was, as a listener, not a participant, I was compelled by Dave's argument that shoes are shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, well, it's pretty hard hence, to get around that. As argument. was it's sort of like bolstered by your point that the guy's called shoeless Joe Jackson. Like there's just no other way to describe it is except to say that he has no shoes on. That argument <laughs> argument was interesting, but it was irrelevant to whether shoes are clothes if I'm self-critiquing. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Probably. I love um, by the way, okay. I love thinking about shoeless Joe Jackson. I mean, what a guy. Shoeless. What a cool guy. shoeless. Who, it, was it um, Ray? Ray Liotta. Um, Liotta, who yeah. played him in Eight Men Out. God, what a great performance. No, he he plays him in uh, oh, Field, Field of, of Dreams. Dreams. I don't know who plays him in Eight God, Men Out. God, he's so good. Who Dave, who plays Ray Liotta in Eight Men Out? I and can't who, is he better than Ray Liotta? I can't remember who plays him, but I do remember that in the movie, he has to sign a document and... He signs it with an X instead of his name because he was like illiterate, and I needed my parents to explain to me why someone would sign with an X instead of their name. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's nuts. You know, nowadays at the credit card, the digital credit card terminals, I essentially sign with an X. Same. Interesting. Yeah, I'm down to just making my mark. <laughs> I do like a lot of loop to loops and draw a picture. I kind of just have fun making a little sailboat or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Guys, we don't have any time to no. waste. We've got a lot of tops to get through. No. This one, Dave, is going to take the pro in. I got four minutes on the clock. Okay. And the topic, Dave, is cereal is better at night. Okay, first of all, just so we know, I looked it up very quickly. D.B. Sweeney played Shoeless Joe Jackson all in right, 8 Minutes. Right. Cool. 
cool. That's right. That's Cereal, right. moving on, is better at night. Why it provides, depending on what kind of cereal you like and you eat, the perfect taste right before you go to bed. One of the great things about cereal is that it can be sweet or it can be very nutritious or it can even be a little salty. It can be hearty. You can, if you want to basically make it like your late night ice cream, then go ahead, have some Fruit Loops. If you want to make it that last little like bolt of fiber that you get before bed, go ahead, have some Total, have something even healthier that I wouldn't even be aware of, some Kashi perhaps, I don't know. But the problem with cereal in the morning is not necessarily that cereal is bad in the morning, but that there are way better breakfast options in the morning. And those options, for whatever reason, aren't as available at night. They don't seem as savory or as tempting at night. So like, who's making eggs at 11.30 at night? You don't want to do that. You don't want to have to clean up after the omelet you made at 11.30 at night, or even 9.30 at night, whatever time of night it is. It could be also be three in the morning, by the way. What better time for a late night snack for a bowl of cereal? Are you kidding me? Crispix and a little bit of banana in there? Good night, nurse. That's like the best snack you can have. That's one of the many reasons why cereal is better at night. Okay, listener, I, I plead with you to not overthink this one. Uh, Dave's Dave sort of took us. To, there, there's got to be a name for the argument Dave came up with, where he's he postulates that we we're having to choose only between breakfast foods at night, which is crazy. Okay, you don't want night eggs, fine, whatever. Look, cereal is a breakfast food. I would contend that 95% of cereal is eaten at breakfast. Why? Because that's where it belongs. It's designed for that. Over hundreds of years, some of the greatest food scientists in world history have been working on the problem of cereal. They've come up with a range from Cocoa Crisp to Total. Half of our cereals, by the way, are basically just brands that are going to have an element of working your bowels and getting you going for the morning. The sugary cereals, like that's the last thing you want before you go to bed, like a, a hit of sugar. No way. That is not anything you want. There is a slightly fun transgressive element element to cereal at night, but I, I never do it. That's just a personal thing. I don't think most people really enjoy it. I usually think it's an act of desperation and exhaustion to have cereal at night. I don't think it's a pleasure people seek out on a consistent basis. I think cereal in the morning is what it's designed for, what it's built for. That's where it goes. Don't don't try and Malcolm Gladwell this one. It, cereal belongs at okay, breakfast. Okay, we learned some very important things there. The first of which is that Healy never does it, so he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Also, he kept saying right before bed. Well, you don't have to have it right before bed. You can have it at the same time that you would normally have your dessert whenever that may be. You could have it immediately after dinner. You don't have to have a heaping bowl either. If all you want is a little bit of Rice Krispies with a little bit of blueberries in them, you can do that after you've had these a nice all, big dinner. These are Tries and grasps, but that's not better than the ice most cream at night. Thing that you know? we learned from Healy's argument, which is a really dangerous idea that Healy's putting out there, is that for some, is that just because centuries of history have told us that we should only eat cereal in the morning, therefore we should eat cereal in the morning. And of all people, Steve Healy should understand that once you're doing something, just because it's the traditional way to do something, you're out of arguments. Healy, what I would again, submit to you again, is that no, you have don't not, try hold on it, a don't, second. Don't you said to, yourself to that you've the... never had it at night, and I think that you have yet to 
No, I said I'd never do it. It's not a habit of mine. Evolutionary leap where you realize just how exciting cereal can be at night. You're stuck in an old way of looking at cereal as a breakfast food, and that's the reason why you don't understand why it's better at night. In fact, I almost pity you in this position. Your problem isn't that you think that you that you actually think that it's better in the morning versus you think that it's better at night. Your problem is you don't even understand the idea of having it at night because you think that eating it in the morning is the quote unquote like right thing to do and that you even said food scientists have developed it for the morning. What a crock that you're feeding yourself. We don't have I many foods. We don't have many foods that were designed by scientists for a specific time and place in the day. Cereal is that. La- enormous laboratories in Battle Creek, Michigan are devoted to constructing the perfect food to begin your day. Why violate that scientific knowledge? Why break that? I, I, I like Dave's take that, you know, of course, we should do everything backwards and upside down and try it. But, you know, try it. See if it works for you. But it's not going to. That's why 99% of cereals eaten at breakfast. If- <sighs> All right. Talk to us. This one, I'm going with Dave as a winner of the debate. Healy's shaking his head. I get it, though. Um, Because I felt compelled by his argument. All right. Look, I'd like to throw it out there. If I'm, by the way, a uh, technician or whatever product guy at Kellogg's, night cereal. How are you not marketing a night cereal? Yeah. Bring us the night cereal. What I didn't want to bring it up because I thought it would kind of help Dave. Because people are people don't have. need to be told, hey, if you want, you can eat this at night. Also, Dude, what would it be? If Kellogg started advertising, we, we're coming out with, you know, uh, I don't know what it's called, Dream Flakes or something, and it's a night cereal, people would be talking about it. They would tweet about it. It would be viral in seconds. Everyone would try it. It's specially designed to be eaten at night. It's okay. a little sweet. Mm. It's got some, I don't know, ribosomes that help you rest or whatever. Okay, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll chase this idea That's with you for a, a thing. minute. I'm picturing yeah. like a navy blue box yeah, that sort of suggests calmness and stars, the moon. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think if it's for kids, then it's probably then you could go in a sort of like hot chocolate with marshmallows oh, way. My but God. I think if it's for adults or like stoners, then I think that opens you up to also interesting possibilities. Like, um, oh, you know, like it could be almost like a, have a sort of uh, a chamomile taste or something that like in the in the sort of <laughs> restful tea <laughs> family that you might find. I, I you think might if be they introduce something. If you market a night cereal for kids, you've a very decent chance you're going to sell 30% more cereal. <laughs> like it's going to be insane. Kids are going to be dying for that night cereal. Another mediocre idea that we will not follow up on. That's not a mediocre idea. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. If it was marketed at uh, at the pot shops around LA, I think we'd sell a lot of boxes of this stuff. Yeah, isn't that true? Guys, though, of um, any that... food product, like I feel like that's always yeah, the thing. Well, is like, yeah. hey, if you stood outside <laughs> a, a dispensary, you could sell a lot of that. The the Girl Scout. It's the Girl um, Scout. Sold a lot of cookies out there. So that was submitted, by the way, by listener, uh, I believe it's uh, at Tim and Hobbs. I think that was a Twitter top Hmm. listener, Tim and Hobbs. Thank you very much for that. Just to continue with the the culinary theme here, um, I have another topic for Steve Healy to take the pro on. Okay, I'm ready. And we got to get right into it because we're going to run out of time. Time if we don't. is going away. 
the topic is Fourth of July food is better than Christmas food. The hot dog, the watermelon, lemonade, hamburgers, the smell of the grill, eating outside on that picnic table. You gotta be kidding me. Look, Christmas food is basically just a watered down version of Thanksgiving food. There's a little bit of like uh, gingerbread-y kind of winter warmer stuff, but it's basically just to keep you going. No one is seeking out Christmas dinner, but you think about that 4th of July barbecue for the whole year. It brings so much pleasure, so much joy. There's so much variation to it. There's so much um, freshness and fruitiness, as well as heartiness and meatiness. The salty chips. Chips are a 4th of July food. Ice cream sandwiches, those are a 4th of July food. It's just, I, I feel a little bad taking a, a topic this lopsided. The first thing you say is hot dogs, the grossest possible food that a human being can eat. We have to disqualify also a lot of what you said here. We're only evaluating the food. <laughs> and the fact that we you do? said... I believe we do, and I'd like to make an argument why. The, the, the paper that, napkins, the eating outside, that's part of the food experience. It is absolutely not. That's set Healy, and There's a difference between the food and the food experience. We're only talking about the food. And if you're going to okay. say, like... Well, how about this? Outside, that has nothing to do with the actual taste of the food. Or, Keely, you know what? If you want to make it about food experience, then go ahead. Because what I'm talking about (laughs) is dinner with your family. I'm talking about presents. I'm talking about loved ones. I'm talking about when is Santa going to show up. I'm talking about playing with my newest toys while I eat dinner. I'm talking about eating indoors around the fireplace. I'm talking about the smell of hot cider. I'm talking about eggnog. I'm talking about a delicious ham. I'm talking about grandma and grandpa coming over, haven't seen him in a while. What are they going to be up to? I'm talking about Uncle Ted's coming over. What's he going to be drinking? What's he going to be talking about? I'm talking about love in the air. I'm talking about the magic of the holidays. And you're absolutely right. You know what? I was ridiculous to try to make a claim that the food can somehow be divorced from food experience. And that's why Christmas food is better than Fourth of July food. Thank you, Healy. You, you were me this ridiculous. One. I'm glad that you picked up on that. You pretty wisely pivoted which i respect but uh, i just asked the listener to, let's separate the experiences just so we can get down to the oh, food for a sec that be convenient to you take now take eggnog cider and ham put them outside in a hot fourth of july setting think how disgusting that is meanwhile imagine having sitting on a table imagine having grilled what? hamburgers and chips and watermelon at christmas time it's still fantastic it's still great summons up the joy and uh love of this country that fourth of july summons in us it's i mean look the truth of the experience is better the, the truth of the fourth of july food which you claim to be so special and wondrous is that it's just like a summer barbecue you're gonna make it the first time yeah, you can you make that stuff the fine. first time you can on memorial day or whenever like that first awesome warm day when the sun is out a little later and that's not special to the fourth of july like that's just food it's also gross it's also terrible for you processed ground meat are you kidding me hot dogs and hamburgers you're feeding your children 
carcinogens. Ham and There's egg sugar worse. drinks are not <laughs> that great for you either, pal. And that may be true, but it's way easier to have a healthy Christmas than it is to have a healthy Fourth of July. Disagree. If you're disagree. And that brings us if back you, to exp the food experience. Now it's, we're cold. We're inside. You're just stuffing your face with fat and sugar to get through the winter. That's grim. Fourth of July, you can have a hot dog and have some watermelon and have an ice cream sando because you're gonna throw a frisbee around. You're gonna play catch with your cousin Tim. It's gonna be an outdoor experience. You'll feel good about yourself even if the food is somewhat disgusting. Well. Just to... Oh. Ah, there goes the timer. Boy, we have so much debate bubbling up inside us. I didn't expect you to really get so do. into these. Yeah. Oh, hey, <laughs> that's I'm, thanks I'm to the hot listeners, again. You know? I feel myself sweating. I don't even celebrate mm. Christmas, really. I don't care. Deans, talk mm -hmm. to us. Got that this debate one was play a, for you. This one was a wash for me. Okay. Um, I couldn't really get a real, like, sink my teeth into either one. Is that fair? Healy, I had Guess. hot dogs and watermelon to go on. Dave, I had high apple cider and ham to go on, and I feel like they they equal, they even out. No one moved the needle for you. I get it. No, I didn't get a big like um, aha moment there. Right. Which is yeah. why I'm just going to take us straight into the. Oh, by the way, first before I take us straight into the next debate, thank you to listener Joshua H, mm. who who submitted this topic. We sort of uh, paraphrased it. Anyway, um, listener Josh H, thank you. Okay. Healy, didn't you have sorry? Didn't you have a term for this week of this episode that we haven't? This is the listener's feast. After okay. Listener Appreciation oh, Week, we have the feast. listener's feast when they get to hear their tops, and it, it's a celebratory time for the listener. It's us giving back, really. <laughs> Thank you. Eat up. <laughs> it's our way up. of giving back. Okay. okay. One final debate yeah. uh, to take us out of here. And here we go. Uh, Healy taking the pro. Listener Tucker 2 submitted this topic. The topic is sneezing is a pleasant experience. Yes. What is it? A release of tension. One of the best feelings a human being can have. You explode out some suppressed energy like a cannon shot. Look, I don't want to be too sexual about it, but the experience, the connection to orgasm is a strong one. You're relieving yourself of some irrit irritant. Uh, sneezing is great. Feels good. You're liable to get a God bless you out of it. It's very quick. In the worst case, it's over incredibly fast. It can have kind of a surprising electric experience. Uh, I'm into sneezing. I think it's great. I would, I would artificially stimulate sneezes in myself if I could. Okay, well, you can. You could surround yourself with allergens that make you sneeze, and there's a reason that nobody does that. It's because it's not pleasant. It's unpleasant. It's not fun. Just because it's a release doesn't mean that it actually feels good. And in fact, it often brings up more of the stuff that is making you unpleasant to begin with. In fact, a lot of the time, a sneeze is followed by another sneeze. And you find yourself caught in that sort of cycle of like, have I gotten it all out? Am I going to sneeze again? <laughs> Healy is claiming that you might get a God bless you out of it, as if that's worth anything. Is that really something you want? If anything, I find that uncomfortable. Now I got to say thank you. I don't want people to say God bless you to you. I don't want to feel beholden to people to have to say that. It's this weird old ritual that doesn't make anyone feel better about what's going on. It's also gross. It's so gross, you're spreading so many germs to the people around you. And I feel unpleasant just because I'm like, 
I'm worried about making the people around me sick or even just worried that they're going to be sick or just kind of grossed out or like if you can't get to a tissue in time, like is a little bit of your, you know, your expectorant, is that going to get uh, across the room or is that going to get on people near you? It's not pleasant. I mean, it's sort of like the same way that like, you know, throwing up or vomiting, yes, it's a release to some extent, but that doesn't mean that it feels good. I would argue that maybe, maybe it feels good moments after you sneeze, mm. but I don't think the act of sneezing <laughs> itself feels good. It's actually really violent. The speed with which the sneeze leaves your mouth is like a tornado. It's, a, it's yes. incredible. What and else is like that in the human experience, Dave? <laughs> But that, again, I mean, what is pleasant about that? A lot of times, you're like, even kind of like, you have to tense up your neck or your face, uh. and you're like, that's no fun. I can't, Can like, you imagine? I mean, again, like, the idea, if it were pleasant, people would actually make themselves sneeze, and they don't, because it sucks. It's a nice little treat. It's a surprising treat. Okay, a couple of points. First of all, the God bless you part. Look, Dave doesn't like God. I get it. Okay, but being I don't the even center like of attention. Like it's just being the center of attention of by surprise time. every once in a while. People love that. As for have you ever heard anyone say the phrase like I hate sneezing or sneezing is the worst? No one's ever said that. Like people enjoy it. They find it a little bit fun. It's a thrill. It's a surprise and a so thrill crazy. and kind no of a shock. It's no a one... reminder of the absurdity of human experience. Experience. It's a little joke your body plays on you. <laughs> Completely harmless. It doesn't hurt anyone. Every it maybe can. once in your lifetime, you have, like, you'll Ebola sneeze right does. in somebody's. Maybe once in your or lifetime, you'll sneeze like right in somebody's face. But the odds are you're just gonna laugh it off. It's a comic experience. Laugh it it's a off. joke. When was the last it's time somebody sneezed and got How a room often does your body to like pull a little them. joke no, on you that really. explodes out of you? Everybody has a little reaction. God bless you. They they say God bless you because it's kind of fun and a funny no, little. Moment that you all just shared. People aren't saying God bless you because it's fun. They say it because <laughs> it's a weird ritual that we're like that we've done for centuries that no one even knows why. And it probably yeah. goes back to the idea that like when you are sneezing, something is like very wrong with you and you need the gods to look no, they, over you and make sure that you don't die. Because you want to acknowledge this little comic moment, this absurdity that just happened. Ah, man! Wow, that was fun. I loved that debate. Was it as fun and as a sneeze, go, Healy? I'm going with heels, and I'll tell oh you what, it, when, you, when you, at the very beginning, when you um, described it as maybe a little bit electric, it captured something about that moment of the sneeze that, yeah. is, ex, that is sort of like exciting to the face, and, um, and I bought wow. it. I, I deeply bought it. Look, it was easy for me to debate that side because I believe it. Everything I said in that debate, I believe. Well, that's how I feel yeah. about cereal at night. So, so, you know, sometimes we don't get to argue <laughs> things that we truly believe in, and it is kind of oh, nice did, when we get to... Let's get back to, to cereal at night. Do, yeah. do you really think cereal at night is, like, better than cereal in the morning? Yeah. I agree cereal at night can be a nice little treat, but is it better than in the morning? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's better. Do you eat... I, I, I never eat cereal in the morning. I seldom eat cereal in the morning. Yeah, I, I don't um, eat it that much But it does sound like kind of a desserty like treat at night. There's something nice about that little hit of dairy or whatever you're, you're using, almond milk or whatever you're eating cereal mm -hmm. with, combined with the flavors of cereal that's nice. I, I don't know. I There's really, sugar yeah. on the cereal. There's lactose sugar in the milk. Mm. It's kind of, it's a sweet treat. It's Maybe like it goes, ice cream with, it might go back with to that uh, sort of, toppings. Yeah, yeah. And it might go back hey, to guys. that like, warm milk before bed thing. 
something I gotta get out there before the episode ends. Our producer Mark Caracello got married hey! this weekend. Hey, congratulations, so producer Mark! Aye, aye. The first Great Debates wedding? Can you believe yes. it? Yes, I guess Amazing. it is. Can you yeah, believe that? How about that? Sorry, job, ladies, Mark. by the way, who listen to the quality of the audio and the song choices and have been sort of fantasizing about Mark. I'm afraid he's off the table, but you know, wish him well. <laughs> Absolutely. Congrats, producer Mark. Well done. God bless um, them hey, on their... On that note, I'm going to take us out of here and let producer Mark do his thing. Nice. And uh, choose a great song to um, uh, as a benediction here, okay? And guys, we'll see you next week on The Great Debates. The Great Debates is produced by Mark Caracello. The theme song was composed by Christopher Knight. The debaters are Steve Healy and Dave King, and the podcast is moderated by Dan Medina.